Kelly, take three giant steps forward. Mother, may I? Yes, you may. Marcus, take two baby steps to the right. Mother, may I? No, you may not. Desi, take... Marcus, what are you doing? I said, no, you may not. Marcus, Marcus. But she is calling me. I'm going to play with them over there. They keep calling my name. Over where? I don't see or hear anyone. Over there. I'm Michelle. Welcome to Caribbean Folklore and Mysteries. June, the year 1905. Five families with no connection had their lives irreversibly impacted. These five families collectively reflected every ethnic group, every social status on the island. On that fateful day, for reasons unique to each family, they were all gathered within less than a mile of each other. Some work or business related, others recreation. At least one was spiritual incentive. On that day, each family tragically lost some of their members in an incident that would later be described as an anomaly of nature, a freak occurrence. On that day, 15 people died on the spot. Of that 15, five were children under the age of seven. There was weeping, mourning, wailing, anger, then healing. Each family rebuilt, moved on, with each generation speaking and knowing less of that day, until it was almost like it never happened. Only the trees and the earth still bear the memories. Nancy stared at the flickering flame of the lamp. Its movement grotesquely exaggerated the shadows in the living room. Nancy's spirit would not allow her to rest easy. This was her first time back. And for the nights she had been there, sleep continuously eluded her. Tonight, the six, it was worse. A tropical storm was passing. The electricity was off. Her late grand only had candles or old-fashioned lamps in stock. Although it was obvious that Gran had taken the upgrade and upkeep of her home very seriously, very well, there were still certain things she shunned. As the rain pelted against the windows, the clapping sounds of thunder rolling in closer, closer. Nancy, 
wish Gran would have at least bought one small generator. Even a few battery-operated torches would have been beneficial. Anything that would provide stronger light than the shadowy, eerie cast of the lamp. Nancy's entire family emigrated from Trinidad to Canada in the late 1980s. For the first few years of her life, almost every holiday was spent joyfully at Gran's home. Warm memories existed in the recess of her mind of those trips, especially the games and adventures with her siblings, cousins, and other neighborhood children. Playing cricket on the pasture, pitching marbles, exploring the wooded area, climbing trees, trying to catch fish. Yes, good memories, good feelings, until... The storm passed. Damage was not as bad across the island as anticipated, and the village escaped almost unscathed. Nancy, along with her mother, spent the morning clearing the debris of tree limbs, leaves from around the property. Her brother and his family were due to arrive today. Grand's funeral would take place in three days. Following the cremation, some of her ashes were going to be ceremoniously placed across the property. Nancy then had a few weeks to help her mum finalize the estate before heading back to the cold northern Canadian climes. The funeral was very well attended. It was a spectacular Trini celebration of a life well lived. A life that resulted in many generations, supported family, never forgot her original community. Nan had made the initial move to Canada with her children and grands, but after 20 years, she had enough of the incessant winters, non-stop snowstorms. Against the wishes of her children, she moved back, living out her remaining chapters in the warmth, familiarity, comfort of the land of her birth. She was able to enjoy 10 years reconnecting, inspiring, uplifting, and grieving her legacy. One of the pluses of being on island was the ability to physically reconnect with childhood friends. Nancy did this, arranging for former playmates Sapna, Rajiv, and Carol, along with their children, to join her visiting family at Grand's home for a line, allowing the younger generations to meet, get to know each other, with plans to show them how they, the older generation, entertained themselves in their youth. The house was a hive of activity, classic Trini line. The children loved the atmosphere. Nancy's nieces and nephews surprisingly really enjoyed island life, loved learning to play cricket, were amused with kite making. Who knew a plastic bag along with dried coconut leaves could produce hours of kite flying? The reunited friends along with a crew of children headed to the nearby wooded area. 
the experience bringing back a flood of fond memories. Marcus, Nancy's nephew, even managed to capture a few fish from the rock pools. On their way back, Nancy paused, shouting, Marcus, Marcus, keep up with us, please. Stop moving so slow. I don't want the water or fish to fall out, Auntie. I can't go fast. Satna quickly admonished Nancy. Why are you calling his name out loud? Don't you remember you shouldn't do that? Exiting back into the open, Nancy laughed off Satna's reprimand. How else was I supposed to call Marcus without saying his name? Nancy, you remember when we were little? Miss Lewis' granddaughter went missing, missing in these same woods? Yes. Who could forget that? It was nothing but back now with the crying, wailing, everybody searching. Gran wouldn't let us go further than the backyard after it happened. Then, not long after, we all packed up, left the island for good. Whatever came from that, though? Sapna started to respond when her youngest ran up, complaining of feeling ill, and then spectacularly threw up. Later that night, after everyone left, Nancy's insomnia had her up. When going through the remaining to-dos regarding Gran's estate, her mind wandered back to the interaction with Sapna. That day in question, she never really forgot. Miss Lewis's granddaughter had headed off ahead of the rest of them. When they came back without her, the panic started. She vaguely recalled conversations between Gran and her mum. Gran saying Miss Lewis was always too loud, too careless. Didn't make sense to her then, still didn't make sense now. Poor child probably went too far and got lost. Or worst case, was the victim of a kidnapping. feeling way too tired to make the drive back home, had slept over with her children. The plan was they would have breakfast and then head off together. Nancy had to visit the bank. Carol, her children, along with Nancy's niece and nephew, would do something fun. After breakfast, Marcus asked if they could explore for a little bit before they left. Agreeing, because Carol's eldest seemed quite responsible, Nancy felt confident that she and Carol could stay back, clean up, then get them back in and off to sort out all they needed to that day. An hour later, the children came running in. Marcus won't come back. He went looking for more fish, and when we told him it's time to go, he said, we can't make him and he's going to stay and play with the other children that know his name. What other children? We don't know them, but Marcus said they kept calling his name. What do they look like? Like a gang of five hooligans? Dana, Marcus's little sister, piped up. They had on hats, and some just wore pants, but no shirts. Nancy. 
never made it to the bank. 48 hours later, they still couldn't find Marcus. The whole family was there. The police were involved. The search thus far was unsuccessful. Guilt weighed heavy on Nancy. Small, childlike footprints were found near the spring. They didn't lead to any additional clues. They did not lead to Marcus. later, 72 since Marcus had been missing. Nancy was up pre-dawn preparing to search even more. Sitting, waiting increased her anxiety. She was the only one inside and as she washed her face she could have sworn she heard, Nancy? She turned around. No one was there. Pulling her hair up into a bun, it came through again. Nance? Nancy? Knowing the stress of the situation and lack of sleep were probably manifesting, she headed out the door. As she locked it, she heard, a Nancy. Only one person ever called her a Nancy. She cremated that person over a week ago. Turning around, she saw a cloud-like mist form above the mango tree in the front yard. Then, as if it sensed it had Nancy's attention, it started floating towards the direction of the trees where Marcus was last seen. Nancy, experiencing an out-of-body sensation, automatically followed the path of the cloud. Meanwhile, in the midst of those trees, little Marcus looked at his new group of friends and said, I want to go back home now. I think my auntie may get worried. I've been gone for a few hours. Oh, no, stay. We'll help you get more fish. Mm, no, I think I should head back before I get into big trouble. Plus, my fish need to be in a proper bowl. Marcus stood up. Looking at the broad rim hats of his five new friends, he said, I'm going back to my family. His new friends collected themselves across his path. Peering from under their hats, they said, We're your family now. <laughs> I know you've probably heard the saying, be careful what you wish for. But what about be careful who you answer? The Duen are prominent within Trinidadian folklore and said to be the souls or spirits of children who died before being baptized or christened. Their most prominent feature are their backwards facing feet. Heels to the front, knees facing backward. Shortened stature of childlike height they are also known to wear large floppy hats to hide a disfigured face. From my research, I found it really difficult to just categorize this character as evil or bad, as their actions are quite diverse. 
mainly known for their attempts to lead young children away into the forest or wooded areas, which was achieved by either mimicking the voice of their parents or parental figures to call the child's name, learn them away, which is why it is said you shouldn't call a child's name out loud whilst in the open or in areas where the Duen are said to frequent. Also, they would build up a sense of trust with children by playing with them, and then use this as a decoy to get the child to follow them deeper and deeper into the woods or forests. And then there were times when the Duen just directly targeted adults, knocking on homes, crying, pleading with those inside to become their parents. Duen are also known to work for another folklore character, Papa Boy, acting as guardians of the forest, protecting animal and plant life from malicious hunters. Similar characters can be found in Belize, Venezuela, and other South American territories, where it goes by the name of Tata Duende. And let me pause here for a moment and just say, I, if I have pronounced any of the preceding incorrectly, my apologies. Leave me a message letting me know the correct pronunciation. Now, origins of the Duen may have roots in Ghanaian folklore, specifically the Moatia or Moesha. Again, I'm not certain of the correct pronunciation, which is a mischievous forest-dwelling fairy-like character, short in stature, with backward pointing feet. Mortia feature prominently in Anansi stories. Now, have you ever heard someone call your name and no one was there? Are those present never uttered a word? I have. And apparently when this happens, the sage old advice is don't answer. Why you ask? Well, Apparently, it may be a duppy or duppies at play up to mischief trying to take your voice away. For the record, each and every time I had this happen to me, I always answered and my voice is still here. <laughs> However, what it is most likely to be is that this is a voice from the spirit realm of a loved one, perhaps seeking to connect or contact offering support or help through a difficult time, or it's just a means, a, a way for them to let the living know that they're okay, almost like giving reassurance as they cross or move between worlds. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. I am really appreciative of your support. Please continue to share these episodes with your friends, your family, and within your social media networks. Now for the month of October, or anniversary month, I had the opportunity to speak on and spread the word of Caribbean folklore and mysteries. So I want to say an extra big thank you to Sean Aline of the Zion Network, along with Teresa Clark Campbell and Althea of the Hounslow Bain Committee for having me on and letting me speak to their members. Join our Facebook community. The link will be in the show notes. And let me know what you would like covered in season three. Alternatively, you can email us at folklore mysteries at gmail.com. 
Until next time, bye-bye.